From all corners of the globe to your ears, it's the Midnight Movie Cowboys. Sometimes informative, sometimes controversial, but always unpredictable. It's the Midnight Movie Cowboys podcast with your hosts, Hunter, John, and Stu. And now, on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Midnight Movie Cowboys. Joining me um, in the far-off reaches of space, we have Mr. Stuart Balk. Say hello, Stu. Hello. Heavy metal. Yeah. And uh, huffing gas in his basement is Mr. John Gray. Say hello, John. Hello, everybody. A little little out of it. (laughs) And... uh, The movie we're going to be covering this week is Heavy Metal, but first, before we get into that, let's whip out our junk. Uh, Stu, do you want to go first? Okay, I've got a little bit, but I will rip through them quick, all right? All righty. Okay, so first up, I'll give prices as well, because I'm just Andy Warhol, if you read his diary, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, this I got for free off a guy off Marketplace. Oh, shit. Change your background. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. on the video component, the virtual backgrounds don't work with this segment. Yeah, just don't like it. Um, 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 yeah, it looks like a Joe Biden press video. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff disappears. Stuff disappears, right. reappears. Your hand goes through the microphone. It's all yeah. uh, virtual. Oh, here we are. None. There we go. All right. So first up, I got this. I forgot off Marketplace the other day. He gave it to me for nothing. Um, Hogan knows best. Seasons one, two, and three. Sweet. Yeah. Cause I, Can uh, he walk? Know. What's going on with him? Mate, I, I don't know. There's you know, stories going around that Hulk's paralyzed from the legs down, and then they they shoot those down. That That's not true. And then there's also him with his Scientology girlfriend, and Scientology's trying to, Scientology's trying to recruit the Hulk. And, uh, yeah, I think the uh, little head's thinking more than the big head is. I think one, that's yeah. the case a lot of the time with him. Yeah. Uh, Scientology does send out their best. They get, true. They get the Hulkster. She's, she's not bad looking, I tell you. America will fall if they get the Hulkster. <laughs> yeah. Will it be a Scientologist theocracy very soon? I've always been um, curious as to why the NFL, another obvious answer, allows their ad during the Super Bowl. Um, is it halftime for the ads? Uh, no, they run they run ads during the, the oh. breaks. They run them very quickly. I noticed this year the uh, all the movie trailers were watch the complete trailer online. Like they were, mm. they wouldn't give them enough time to do like a ninety second ad. Oh, okay. So it was thirty seconds instead. So yeah, there's that. This I picked up while I was away with the family at a thrift store for two bucks. Uh, Been long deleted. It's called "Who Killed Nancy." Documentary mm. about the uh, by Alan G. Parker, not Alan Parker. But uh, saw it many, many years ago. It's you know, all right. It's, it's Rockets Red Glare. There saved you a click. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's okay. It basically gives you the whole thing in the first ten minutes, and all the rest of the eighty something minutes is, oh, Sid was a really nice guy. Sid was an asshole. Nancy was a hooker. Whatever. Knew all that. Uh, this I picked up for a buck as well while I was away with the fam. Paul McCartney's Wingspan documentary. Been wanting to get that for a while. Uh, picked this up the other day. The Doors, Final Cut. It's got both cuts on there. Um, this one is the last fucking time I ever buy this movie, I swear to God. But I had to get it. 
Highlander in 4K. Um, I think everybody's bought Highlander and Evil Dead countless times. That is the last time I swear on this earth that I buy that film. I don't care if it comes out in 24K. I'm not, I don't care. It's not going to look as any good as the 4K does. These are picked up during the Black Friday sale a while back. A while back, I forgot, to, I forgot about them. Uh, that was about ten bucks. Like Father, like Son, a bit dark to see. Mm. Um, Kirk Cameron, Dudley Moore, like this film, always have since I was a teenager. Um, Animal House, there, 4K. That was going cheap. Uh, this one I had to get because it was going cheap. Film from my youth, Going Ape with Tony Danza and Danny DeVito. <laughs> It's it's funny because it's got a monkey in it. Monkeys. 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 <laughs> um, all right, getting down to the last three. Got this off Amazon for a, a steal, like 20 bucks. It's the three latest Spider-Man films in 4K and Blu-ray. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah. All right, this one I picked up for a tenner off a guy on Marketplace. You're going to laugh, but I don't give a shit because I loved it when I was in my 20s. The complete series of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah. It's Ken Boss. You got that you're not German. Amazing. <laughs> she's she's got that cat who wisecracks. He's funny. The Germans mm. love that show. Did you know that? No, they I love didn't. It. Did they? Like, she has Sabrina has talking cats very good. Who cares? They love man. it. She's I like, she's like their Jerry Lewis. Favorite of the Black Forest, I think. Your too, excuse me. Man, the last one is I picked up this for 15 off a guy, long deleted, I think it is. Um, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. with Bruce Campbell. Um, Never saw that. Always heard it was, it always had a cult following. Yeah. Uh, I saw it back in the, it was on in the early 90s. I'll call it in the mid 90s. It ran like a 2 a.m. thing here on a Saturday night, like they used to do with the Mike Hammer stuff. They'd run that. And um, mm. I remember digging it, and for fifteen bucks, the entire series, I couldn't pass it up. And that is me done. All right, John, you want to go next? Sure. Um, let's see. First, I got uh, the remastered edition of the Demolition Twenty Three mm. album on CD. This is put out by Little Stevens, uh, Wicked Cool Records. He produced mm. the the album originally. It was deleted many years ago. It was out of print, impossible to get, and finally they've issued it on CD in a really good you know, uh, remaster, uh, special edition. But hey, John, just before you yeah. go on, did you ever get that um, collection by Dust, Marky Ramone's first band? No, I've, um, it's funny. It's been in my Amazon cart forever. I should probably pull the trigger because before I know it, it it'll it's go gonna go $6 to 200 you know, like overnight. That's how it seems to work with CDs yeah. these days. Yeah. Because I, I have like a like a download rip from years ago when I would go through all these blogs and they would have the rapid share links to all these rare garage albums. So I have tons oh, yeah. of that stuff on uh, MP3 and burn CDs, but yeah, you know, it's like, I should probably get it. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Even though Mark, Marky would put it down. He was like, Oh, it's not that good or whatever, but it, it's a, uh, it's pretty decent. A bit of a super group actually. It was... Demolition 23. Um, I should say it was, uh, I think the concept was to get the Hanoi rocks, uh, sound properly recorded because if you hear those old hanoi rocks records they're kind of high on the treble and very very little bass 
in their recordings. I don't think they knew how to record that stuff. So this was this is like a well recorded Hanoi Rocks album. It's it's they fantastic. Should have got Vince Neil to record their albums. <laughs> like they're like strangling him and the yeah, uh, right. <laughs> getting into fights, you know. Uh, and uh, also, I got uh, Hunter will dig this. Uh, Genesis Lamb lies down on Broadway. This is apparently oh, whatever yeah. current remastered, remastered, remastered edition is sitting at the uh, CD store, and I picked that up because I don't have any of the Peter Gabriel Genesis on CD, which is the only variation of the band I actually like. Um, let's see here. Also, what's got, your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite Lamb track? Let's see on here. Um, gosh, in here probably, probably the Chamber of it's 30, 32 Doors, maybe. I don't know because it's a double album. I just I kind of just let it play. Like the Lamy is the Lamy is one that comes to mind for me. I really like that song. Do they play out on the uh, prog rock uh, satellite channels? Yeah, I, I, I think I um, never hear this stuff anywhere. Like you know, sometimes well, you'll hear "Watcher in the Sky" or, or whatever. yeah. I know Steve Hackett does renditions of these songs, and that's one that uh, and he puts out these live videos of it, and that one I always enjoy seeing done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I haven't I haven't been listening to Genesis in a long, long time because I you know I went on the King Crimson trip for a while and then I said, all right, I need some need some old school Peter Gabriel when he was a yeah. sci fi nerd Me putting too. on costumes on stage. It's been ages since uh, I heard also, Genesis. Uh, never. What's that? I said it's been ages since I heard Genesis, which is never. <laughs> oh, you should listen to Genesis. Funny enough, you my can't... dad. I was talking to my dad last week and he was saying the same thing. The Peter Gabriel Genesis, he goes. You gotta, you know, do a deep dive into that stuff. Huh? Yeah, you should start with like blast it on crime. like a hot, your highest end stereo system and just like, you know, it's it's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, listen, like yeah, put on like listen on the best, uh, the best sound system you have. Listen to the song, the musical box, not on headphones. I got some high or headphones, headphones, whatever headphones, whatever, whatever is going to sound awesome. Okay, good. Uh listen to the musical yeah. box. That song is a journey. It is amazing. Uh Peter Whatever Gabriel's you listen to Iron Butterfly on, use that for Genesis. And uh and you can hear Phil doing the backing vocals on it if you you know, <laughs> if you're familiar really? with his voice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um but, also selling England by the pound. This is the other yeah. release they had, which I still great. still got the tag haven't opened it, haven't broken the plastic on these. I know what I like in your wardrobe. Yeah, I've only had um, Peter Gabriel Genesis on vinyl. Does that sound, Hunter? Because <laughs> so yeah. like, back up uh, years ago, you could get the vinyl for nothing because nobody cared about vinyl. Oh this man! Yeah, I, I picked up vinyl. a double a double vinyl album of Fox of Nursery Crime and Foxtrot um, for very little money. It was both albums yeah. in one pack. Hey, um, Hunter, let me ask you something. Half price books have they jacked their vinyl prices up now over the last few years? Um, it depends on what it is. Okay. Um, but usually you can get stuff pretty cheap there still. Still. Okay. That's good. Um, but yeah, um, some places have jacked theirs up too much, so I don't really buy from those places, but that price books is pretty fair. I mean, you know, if they get something valuable, they'll, it'll go for a high price, but you know. Yeah. Marketplace is the worst. Some people just got overinflated. <laughs> ideas of what these things are worth 
Oh yeah. I don't even bother with marketplace. It's like um, I've gotten some good, uh, good things, not vinyl. Jungle Brothers. Uh, this is a recent CD. I I wasn't even aware they were still putting out work, and uh, they're one of my favorite groups from that that nice era of hip hop between like '88 and 1990, like before gangster rap, and kind of like when they could still sample. So they made interesting records, and then oh yeah, hell pretty much. But the Jungle Brothers were one of the better acts from that era, and um, on very underrated and uh i will say that in the last couple of weeks i was listening to de la soul is dead and mm-hmm. uh apparently was made aware this week that a member of de la soul died so john strikes uh, again I was <laughs> son of a bitch i was playing de la soul is dead in the car like a week ago telling my son this is when rap was really good hunter i got I a new it. name for john Locknar. <laughs> yeah, lock it, it is. It's like a Locknar curse. I was like, boy, these guys are like my age. They're not going to die anytime soon. And then, gosh, damn it. And uh, last but not least is uh, Karen Wheeler's uh, a Karen Wheeler solo album. She was the uh, singing voice of Soul to Soul, which was a big act when I was in high school, uh, 1989. And uh, she put out some solo records that I think are, are pretty good. It's very good kind of um late 80s uh r&b sound probably the last era of that music i really like because you know you're, you're young when it's out it's got the new jack swing type sound and recording quality production quality really really good sounds sounds really really cool for stuff from that era it's aged very well i don't know why suddenly i'm getting back into my high school music i guess trying to feel young because i'm now middle-aged but who knows? retroactive with your uh... you'll you'll, uh, you'll have uh, that feeling very soon hunter i guarantee oh, you you will it, it, it is it is unavoidable oh i've already been oh, yeah. listening to stuff that was popular when i was in high school that's already happening so oh you'll get We've worse. accelerated your aging hunter i just yeah. uh, but, but anyway that's but that's it for that's it for me and uh my joke right. mine's really short uh you'll appreciate this one i was very happy when i saw this come out on blu-ray because i've been wanting it in hd so i can finally say goodbye to my dvd Peter Weir's Gallipoli with Mel Gibson, classic. Um, very happy to get that. When I saw that on the shelf, I was like, oh, that's a get. This one. Now uh, get Attack 4Z. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, this one I was happy to add to my Sherlock Holmes collection. Young Sherlock Holmes Steelbook. <laughs> um, and there's the back. Who put that First out? Time- I'm sorry. Who put that out? That uh, this was put out by Paramount. Oh. Um, first time on Blu-ray, it says. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, directed by, produced by Spielberg, uh, directed uh, by Barry Levinson, and with a script by Chris Columbus. So, um, produced by Henry Winkler too. Weird. Uh, <laughs> weird. And that was the first movie to have an all CGI character in it. There's a stained glass window warrior, like a stained glass window shatters and a warrior comes out of it. Oh, really? Building a sword. That was the first all CG character in a movie. Last, but certainly not least. This one's been a long time coming, fellas. Um, Heavy metal in 4K. You. What? Heavy metal in 4K. No, no. Uh, <laughs> almost as good. Maybe better. I've been... It, having this in my collection finally it's a big deal mm-hmm. sidekicks 4k <laughs> 4k baby look at 4K. that 4k are you serious 
gaze upon this packaging. Look at this. Joe Piscopo's steroided veins and <laughs> yeah, in HD. Got this pops out. Chuck's toupee in HD. Oh my god. Yeah. Look, we got a uh, cover. So come with a uh, miniature wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> and we got the. There's the. It's got a reversible cover, two discs, Blu-ray, and 4K, so you can, you know. Julie Nixon and HD is not a bad deal. It doesn't hurt. So. No, it it does not. Yeah. It also has. It's a good. That's a good compromise. We also got this book. <laughs> How the fuck Fight would like they go Chuck. all out for fucking sidekicks? Seriously. <laughs> Vinegar Syndrome's, Syndrome's thing is like giving beyond criterion treatment to just garbage movies. <laughs> you know, that's kind of their bit that they do. Yeah, they have like the martial arts movies Billy Blanks made up in Toronto <laughs> for Jalal Murhai and they give them these amazing <laughs> packages of big it can it all like I got Talons of the Eagle. It could fool you into thinking it's a terrific movie. It's it's decent. It's better than I thought years ago, but I don't know, does it really deserve that treatment? Come yeah, on. I mean like you know I've got these deluxe sets you know some of the movies you're like okay like Beastmaster has a following you know okay cool uh yeah you know uh flesh for frankenstein you know that's a culty movie but then but you know when you're in these vinegar syndrome groups on facebook everybody's like do we do does anybody here actually like the movies mm. <laughs> that they put out i, I can't so stand much junk those, they put out those because those groups it's always someone going Please release this film. Please release this. I mean, oh, I know. You've got to get access. You've got to get rights. You've got to get clearances. Oh, yeah. And... Why isn't Why isn't this movie in the Criterion Collection? I got news for you because they they just take what they can get. Yeah. Uh, you know, they or you know they like there was a period of time where everything that used to be on your generic MGM DVDs was suddenly getting Criterion releases. It's like yeah, because they got that library. You know, <laughs> and yeah, the, it's one... the licensing deal. It's whoever's. Of course it is. You know, can supply them with the right stuff. There's always that one dickhead in there as well, guys. Oh, Sidekicks gets a 4K release. Yet somewhere in the corner, you know, the African queen is crying. It's like, it was yeah. sad. Yeah. It's like, fuck off, idiot. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I'm sorry, but if a movie yeah. ever deserved yeah. the, the royal treatment, it's Sidekicks. <laughs> sidekicks. <maybe. laughs> sidekicks. It's like uh, Severin. I, I think it was Severin that got the rights to Overboard, the Kurt Russell comedy. Oh, my God. Just because they asked for it as a joke. Yeah, they just made a joke to the to the license guy. Hey, could we get overboard? They went sure, <laughs> and like, they gave it to him. So it got put out people by this love that. Label. People love that movie. Uh, now, I've never seen it. I, I, there's only one shot in that film that is worth anything. Well, and it's one of those movies that when Goldie's they remade ass, it, they did a they did a, gen- Goldie a gen- Yeah, <laughs> they did a gender swap for the remake because. If you watch the move, the overboard movie, Kurt Russell is a rapist in that movie. Like, mm. like you know, there's yeah. there's stuff he does that is legally rape, um, like Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, but anyway, speaking Wait, of did sex, Mike McPadden mention that in his book? Uh, probably. Um, I, I had to rewrite my review of Overboard because <laughs> it's not right. Don't cancel me, please. Well, this one was probably in Mike McPadden's other book, Heavy Metal Movies. We're going to be talking about the movie Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal was always one of those movies I saw at the video store all the time. And I knew it was a cartoon, but I was not allowed to rent it because it was rated R. But I just saw that poster. You're so young. You actually saw it at the video store. That's cute. 
Well, yeah, it came out before I was born, uh, nineteen eighty one. Yeah, but but okay, it's legendary because it wasn't. It didn't get a video release until the mid nineties. And that sometimes makes sense. Find a video store had a bootleg of an HBO recording. Yeah, they would rent out. Yeah, so yeah, this would have been in the nineties. So it was probably brand spanking new on video. Um, but I always looked at it and went, man, that movie looks awesome. You know, there's this chick with a sword riding a giant monster, and it's called heavy metal, so you know it rocks. Uh, but so Stu, you wanted to do this movie. What's, what's, what's your history with heavy metal? Um, same as you always saw it in the video store on a shelf, never rented it. I don't know why I'm not that much into fantasy films, animated or real, you know, <laughs> Clash of the Titans or tell you that one. Why? I just don't like that sort of stuff. But what happened was sort of like a chain of events. Lately, I've been listening to Cheap Trick a lot. I mean, <laughs> a lot. Just got back in the Cheap Trick again. I was actually listening to them today. Hadn't listened to them in a while. And I, I yeah, was yeah. Like, I was the same. I thought, and I popped on Spotify. I was in the car at work and scrolling through albums. I was like, in color, heard it a million times. Dream Police, same. One-on-one. Ah, oh, the Epic Archives. Hmm. All uh, unreleased stuff. Uh, okay. No worries. Popped it on and reach out was on that album. I'm like, oh, wow, cool. That's right. From Heavy Metal. I thought, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I know I had I had the um, <laughs> file somewhere on my external hard drive that I got somewhere. And um, when I messaged you guys, what we want to do next, and John said about doing a rough back, she filmed, I thought, yeah, cool, let's do Heavy Metal. But it's not him. But I thought it was. It's kind of... It's kind of under it, the animation feels kind of underground, like Bakshi. Yeah, you know, kind of kind of slobby in places. It's done by a bunch of different animation houses, so the animation's kind of all over the shop. Yep. Um So and uh, yeah, basically, so when we came to that, I thought, well, I want to see heavy metal because you know here in Cheap Trick again, and I remember going through the soundtrack and wow, it's a pretty stacked soundtrack. Yeah. Boys to Cult, Black Sabbath, Cheap Trick. Sammy. Uh, hey. Nazareth. Sammy, yeah, yeah, Nazareth. Um, Devo. Uh, yeah, you know, a whole bunch on there. Riggs. Yeah, Riggs. Yeah, but no Motar. But anyway, so I thought we'll do um, Heavy Metal and I'll give it a watch. I don't know if you boys had seen it. I had not seen it. Otherwise, 90 minutes, I can sit down and do that. and. Yeah. I'd, I'd seen it like three times. Uh, I I think it was one of those things where I was at the store. I saw the DVD and I went, I've never seen this. I want to watch this. And this was like back in college or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was kind of disappointed by it. I kind of went, oh, you know, I went the animations kind of eh, and uh, it's kind of all over the place. And I remember thinking like when it opens with the uh, the the soft landing uh, segment with the car and the music by Riggs playing. Mm. I was like, this movie rules. And then the the spaceman gets out of the car, and it's this guy who looks like Ron Jeremy <laughs> coming into his house. And uh, and this, like, orb starts talking, and then it just kind of veers into all these different places. And the first time I watched it, you know, I read up on Metal Herlant and the magazine it's based on. and mm. But I was kind of taken aback when – I picked up the DVD and I noticed it was produced by Ivan Reitman and it had John Candy and Harold Ramis. I was like, well, that is, is a strange strange choice. I'll yeah, tell you for a I, film like this. 
Yeah. And I was like, is this what I remember thinking, is this a secret National Lampoon movie? You know, uh, kind of. And what? Kind of. Yeah, kind of uh, is because heavy metal was published when it started in this country uh, in America. It was published by the it was from the publishers of National Lampoon. They got well, the and, rights to Metal hmm. Merlant and they wanted they said they wanted a, a second magazine to showcase Euro comics. And um, they basically got the rights to Metal Hurlant, and um, which I think actually translates as hurlant, hurling metal or throwing. I think metal it's howling metal. metal. Uh, yeah, or howling metal or whatever. They were they were claiming screaming metal in their press junkets at the time, but um, it ran for a few years. But they also published American artists like Richard Corbin, who were underground geniuses, really, who who did kind of uh, very R-rated fantasy comics and. Um, I think when the National Lampoon people were looking at other movie projects to follow up Animal House and they had a deal with Columbia, they uh, talked to Ivan Reitman and he was interested in maybe doing a, an R-rated adult uh, sci-fi anthology thing based on heavy metal because they saw material for movies in there. And um, of course, you have all these SCTV people doing the dubbing because they did the whole thing in Canada. And uh, <laughs> SCTV was the only Canadian export TV show at the time, so getting that voice talent on there was was a was a catch so yeah it was um it's a canadian production it's not considered an american film in any way and uh the director is canadian director gerald potterton and he worked on yellow submarine oh. um and he also directed one of buster keaton's last movies uh the yeah. that i've talked about on here the rail rotter um which has an amazing do- behind the scenes doc uh, called Buster Keaton rides again, but I think Potterton just died recently. Um, yeah, he did just yeah. a few months ago. I was stunned that he had directed the Buster Keaton stuff. I was like, "Yeah, wow!" I was like, "I yeah. recognize that name." Totally crazy. Uh, but yeah, Potterton had an interesting career. Um, uh, he worked on that Animal Farm cartoon. Oh Lord. Um, yeah. Uh, worked on a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff. I think he won an Oscar. I think he's an Oscar winner too. I think he won uh, best an- best animated short at the Oscars or something. So, anyway, um, what I came away after this was the film should be renamed from Heavy Metal to Giant Tits. Because that's what <laughs> oh, big time. Man, I had yeah. no idea what I was in for. I mean, I'm, I'm not a, you know, uh, avert to that sort of stuff, but I had no idea there was this much in it yeah and it's it's pretty full on you know Mm. (laughs) like um but but i gotta say that you know i said i was kind of disappointed the first time and you know i went back and gave it another shot and i liked it a bit more and i think i've come around on it this time uh there's a lot more that i like about it um and uh but uh but yeah john how did did you see it when it came out uh i saw the the tv ads when it came out in 1981 and um being uh gosh nine years old at the time i was kind of tripping out that there was like this r-rated cartoon because yeah. i was not aware of fritz the cat or the ralph bashy stuff or anything i didn't know there was such a thing as r-rated cartoons and yeah and it, horrible movies they're not good and then um it, it's funny because i i couldn't see it of course until 1982 and it was all over cable uh, or actually 83 it, it wasn't on uh god it was not on uh tv until 1983 because they must have been running the circuit through the drive-ins and the midnight movies before they wanted to put it on hbo and uh so i did see it on hbo and 
I was a little disappointed because the ads showed, I think the animation was given a little glossy makeover for the clips for the trailer. And you can see it on YouTube. It looks a little slicker than it looks in the actual film. And um, to me, I was, I was surprised how much it looked like filmation or a Saturday morning cartoon at the time. I was, I was a bit disappointed. Although I, I did love the energy and the music of, of watching it. And the violence was shocking to me at the time. I hadn't seen a lot of violent, sexy stuff. And <laughs> here seeing cartoon characters uh, all splattering with gore and blood and spurting blood and everything like a baby cart movie. And then uh, you're, you're seeing these animated women that look like playmates, you know, straight out of Playboy. It was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is, this is trippy. And, um, you know, for somebody, for a kid reading like Savage Sword of Conan, it was uh, kind of a blast. But uh, so I would, I would try to catch it every time it was on HBO. And I think eventually I recorded VHS uh, recording off Cinemax or something. And I noticed it was never in video stores. And it, at the time, that's when I learned about the music rights issue yeah. Yeah. and how that can keep something uh, off of home video permanently. And um but it's funny because when it came out in the mid '90s, uh, Kevin Eastman bought the heavy metal, um, what would you call it, trademark and publishing. He took over publishing the magazine with his company, and he one of his goals was to get all the music clearances, you know, resolved and get the damn thing out on home video. And that's what, and it it was this huge selling home video. But the funny thing is, I watched it in the '90s, and I didn't like it as much. I guess because yeah. I've been exposed to all this different stuff and Japanese animation and you know french animation or whatever like fantastic what is it uh fantastic planet that came out of yeah Criterion. fantastic planet yeah yeah which mm-hmm. i thought you know from a, a critical standpoint those are that's actually more impressive than heavy metal uh watching it now i haven't watched it in in years i mean decades actually i still like the music um the animation moves even slower than i remembered like it's a bit stilted um mm-hmm. the voice work from the sctv crew is because i know those their work so well it's like i just oh that's eugene levy as captain stern and yeah. all that um it's funny i used to think the harry canyon segment was the best now i don't think so now it's just kind of sluggish and just it, Mickey it's, my it's one i like the most i enjoyed it the most that's your that favorite one. it's I, typical I, that, first time viewing they tend a, to, everybody uh, tends to love that one my that's it's not my favorite but it it is one i enjoy i kind of like the mebius sort of look yeah it has and which was um, duplicated for the fifth element luke Besson. yeah i was about to say it's it is the fifth element he pretty much stole that and hired mobius to to do the art for and design for the the fifth element because he was basically doing harry canyon yeah it's Um, it's, you know and uh my favorite short is b17 the the yeah. tail gunner one like that, that Dan one. O'Bannon wrote. Really? Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I love that one with the zombies on the on the plane. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I yeah. Just... I really like Cap. It's funny watching it this time. The stuff I used to love, I didn't care as much for, but I really liked uh, Captain Stern. Yeah, that one's a very, very faithful adaptation of Bernie Wrightson's strip that he did for Heavy Metal magazine. See, to me, when I watched this, I actually watched this twice. I had to, I watched it once, and I thought. I've got to watch it again today to see if I can get my head around it a bit more because I had no idea what the hell I just watched the first time. And from the Captain Stern onwards, it just it became a mess. Because it's for stoners. I, it's not yeah. for sober people. It's totally Sean, made for stoners. That yeah. that segment, that weird segment with the the UFO 
you know, vacuuming the girl up into the place that she's oh yeah in a relationship with the robot. That whole thing was just a drug. It was just an excuse to have cocaine jokes. Oh, they said that, that, that felt dropping... like that felt like a national lampoon bit. That yeah, it felt was, like that, uh... that was a real story from the magazine. That's one of the few or... that's actually was really in the mag. And the the it seems it feels like a cartoon you'd see in like some naughty magazine like Playboy or something. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, here's a robot sleeping with a chick. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> right? And he's, and he's he's smoking. You know, like um, penthouse comics. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, uh, I I liked the Captain Stern one more this time around. That one uh, did nothing for me the last two times, and this time I thought it was funny. Uh, I liked the little twist at the end, you know, mm. <laughs> and uh, goodbye. But but Stu, I I am kind of with. I think the the Tarna segment, the really big one at the end that's on yeah. the poster. I think that one kind of wears out its welcome. Mm-hmm. I was kind of over that one. Uh, yeah. And every time I've watched it, I've kind of been like, all right, let's let's wrap it up. Yeah. See, yeah. I liked the what was it, the radar rider, the, the opening soft landing one. Yeah. Which goes into what is it, Grimaldi? Grimaldi. Which is the father yeah. going home to the daughter with the orb and um obviously the viscerates the father and the orb starts talking to the daughter. Which makes no sense because if the daughter is the threat, why the hell is the orb just telling her stories? <laughs> makes no because, sense. Because the script says he <laughs> Yeah, it does. We need to establish he's dangerous, and then the orb is going to explain to us everything. But I mean, I was okay by this point. I got the Harry hanging. I really enjoyed that. I like. Yeah, Den. I like that one. I like Den, the one after that as well. That was good. With yeah, the that one's the most like a. When I first watched it, uh, I was when I first watched the movie, I was really into Robert E. Howard at the time. Mm-hmm. So I liked that one because it felt like a Conan story. You know, mm-hmm. like that you've got weird cultists. You've got like the these sort of fade decadent rulers you just can't wait to see them get their skulls crushed you know? yeah and uh and plus the juxtaposition of having this big muscle-bound guy running around and john candy going oh boy <laughs> yeah. here i'm here back home i'm nothing here yeah, richard, richard corbin was very pleased with the den adaptation <laughs> and if you go on youtube you can find richard corbin in the 60s made den cartoons that you can find on YouTube. They're not very well done, but they're kind of amazing because it's like, God, he probably did this by himself in the 60s working a day, you know, a daily office job or factory job. And it depicts like, I think it's Corbin himself reading like Edgar Rice Burroughs, Princess of Mars. And then he's dreaming up the den fantasy with, you know, the more of the sex and violence, so, which I think was the intention. But I thought that was probably, probably the best adaptation. A lot, some of the other stories are not, are not adaptations like Tarna is an original done for the film mm-hmm. just based on Chris Achelios and Mobius designs. Yeah. But by the time yeah. I got around to oh, B-17, I thought mm. it's just, it now just feels like they're running out of money and just throwing shit in there. And I just, I, I liked, I liked that one just cause it, I thought it was cool having the world war two and then the zombies and, um, but the pro- it, it just was a neat little short ghost story. The problem is that the the Lochner felt less and less of a important, yeah, subject of the shorts. Obviously, not the parts where the the, the Lochner speaking to the daughter. The um, bridge parts. It became less and less. Harry Canyon was important. Then uh, it was important. It kind of important with Captain Stern, not much, but then it just felt less as less. Yeah. I mean, no. the wraparound story is pretty weak. 
with yeah. with the the with that and the girl turning into the you know it's just I don't know if it was even needed like the image of the green lights coming out of the house I thought it was pretty cool um but but yeah the rep the, the, the it's it's it does feel kind of all over the place because we have it felt like they felt like they needed an excuse to keep hold all this together yep um John you mentioned Kevin Eastman uh, taking over the heavy metal brand. That was what he did when he parted ways with Peter Laird when they were doing image, yeah. uh, not image. Um, Ninja Turtles. Uh, when they, yeah, they're nin- Mirage uh, Ninja oh. Turtles. You know, they parted ways and he, they're, they're back together as buds now. And they're, I think working together again, but he was saying that this was kind of his move to like do edgier stuff. Well, it's because Julie Strain's dead. She can't yeah. keep him apart now. Yeah. Press and, um, yeah, no kidding. Uh, mm. But <laughs> actually, but speaking of that, did... just speaking of that, they're doing Umbrella's releasing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles here on Blu ray, but they're doing it with the uh, Smell Vision cards. Was that a thing when that came out? I think I've it was heard... in theaters. John, okay. no? Not here. Yeah, no. I've never I heard remember, of that. I could have swore. Well, why am I, or are they just are they doing this exclusively for the Blu-ray? I don't know. Um, I was there uh, opening day with my brother. No smell-o-vision cards. Okay, so there must be something they're doing. But they're doing a thing where they're recreating the smell of the, of the sewer and, you know. <laughs> I can pass on that. Um, uh, but one thing he did was he made a, a sequel movie, Heavy Metal 2000, which mm. the funniest uh, line I heard about that was from, you know, Warren Sykes, you know, Richard Juice on on Twitter. Uh, I don't I don't know what, his, you know, whatever name he has on whatever platform, but he said it's a movie made to go straight to FYE. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. <laughs> yes. Like, that's exactly the kind of junk you would see. Like, oh, sweet. Heavy Metal 2000 at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> but i never saw I think it went straight to fye because yeah. it didn't play theaters from what i remember no it was but you know i never saw that one but nobody i never heard anybody recommending it's, it it's, it's not good yeah that's what yeah, i've heard it's, it's let's put julie strain was married to 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 uh you know, kevin, eastman. kevin eastman at the time and um it, it was just like it's like oh i'll put you in tarna and make it a 90 minute animated movie and it's just like they wanted to do the warrior woman thing and as a fetish object real life, and it just real life it's so kids. boring. Yeah. yeah. It's like and I saw Julie Strain in person and um shockingly not I hate this sound mean, but it's, she's not that attractive in person. It's weird. You know, it's just like I think she'd had a lot of work done and stuff and just no, Well I know I know there there are some people I know some some female some women i know who just look really good on camera but yeah. in real life they but the, you know it doesn't jive with how they look when i see them you know it's really weird yeah um, she's very tall she was t- she and him were tall it was like they were going to produce a race of giants that, that i was going to ask you she as tall as they say cartoons. she was they always went on about she was like six two or something she was tall oh wow okay she was really tall, and plus she's wearing boots because it's the Chiller Con. So, it's oh wow! Like she, she was, she was, she was a giant. She was taller than the cos. And if anybody was cosplaying, she was taller than them. You know. Oh wow! Yeah, the two people um, who were extremely tall in person 
that I recall from the Chillicon was uh, Julie Strain and John Philip Law. John Philip Law was a giant. He could have played for the NBA. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a tall dude. Is that when you went with uh, old Laser Craze boss that time, was it? Yeah, it was probably one of those, one yeah, of those yeah. trips. I think and, and I think their table was right across from the Julie Strain and Monique Gabrielle uh, um, like autograph table or whatever, where they had the Scream Queens and they had their thrones set up or something. Mm. And Monique Gabrielle just looked like a silicone. She just looked like a mess. She looked like a floaty that you'd put in the swimming pool, you know? Yeah, float them all away. The rack was just like, yeah, crazy. You know, she, yeah. she looked like she looked at a bachelor party. You know, and put it that way. Who cares? Yeah, your eyes are closed when you're fucking them anyway. So, what does it really matter what they look? Like? Well, you know, I, I don't think I don't think any anybody there, anybody buying an autograph was getting lucky. So, you know, yeah. Um, but Kevin Eastman's version of Heavy Metal Magazine wasn't very successful. No, it right? wasn't. Strangely enough. Um, I also think that was that was sort of where I think the price of paper went up or something and it wiped out the fanzine market. Huh. I think some people some people could probably give us a better history on that. But I noticed Chris Gore was talking about it a couple of weeks ago on one of those uh, nerdrotic vidcast or whatever. He's talking about like the, the price of paper suddenly shot up and like all the zine guys who were in the tower book section were put out of business. It was strange, and and it, I think Kevin Eastman was involved in some sort of distribution uh, business scandal or problem, or they got screwed over by print. I can't remember what the deal was, but a bunch of that was around the era that comic book stores were blowing out their inventory like crazy because the comic market just flipped, like yeah. it just bottomed out, and 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 a lot of it was Marvel took over Diamond Distributors, if I'm remembering correctly. It was a long time ago. But like you could walk in and you could stuff that would have been five or ten bucks, you could get three for a dollar. You know, it was it was weird. That's mm, when I started uh, getting back into reading comic books for a while, which I kind of regret. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just I I never thought I always kind of thought of his heavy metal magazine as a, a failed uh, venture. But you know, I remember yeah, the National Lampoon version was successful. Like I remember seeing that. They would always have that um, if you were in a bookstore that would be behind the register, like up there with the Playboys, the penthouse, and then you'd see the copy of Heavy Metal. And mm-hmm. it's like, ooh, what a bold enough of to buy that. And I never did. Yeah. <laughs> I've never owned an issue in my entire life. Yeah, I mean, I've never read the uh, a page of the comics. I've just heard about them. Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, I remember for, for years and years and years, there was this talk that David Fincher was going to do a Heavy Metal movie. Oh, boy. And yeah, I did not know this until today, but it's, it's happened. Really? It's just, yeah, they yeah. did. Did you know that John? Yes. I found out this week after watching, after watching this and looking it up. I had no clue. Well, part of it is it's not called heavy metal. It's called love, death and robots. They yeah. Change the title, but it's produced by David Fincher and Josh Donnan, the son of Stanley Donnan the director of singing in the rain and it's gone for three seasons and the tv yeah. show is it yeah it's a oh. netflix series never heard of it uh, yeah it was um i was hearing all my friends were watching what is it called love sex and robots or something love love death and robots yeah love death and robots and um friends on facebook were praising it 
I've ignored, I still haven't watched it, but um, I just found out this week, oh, that was actually the heavy metal sequel that was in development and they just turned it into a streaming series. Yeah. Netflix just, they, they were like, we'll buy it, but we want it to be a, a show. Yeah. And the heavy um, metal trademark means nothing and they probably lost the rights to it anyway. So they're just like, ah, screw it. You know, we we'll just call it something else. Yeah. But, you know, I was because I was going, oh, what's this? Because when I was getting ready for this, I was like, oh, what's the story with David Fincher's heavy metal? And oh, <laughs> it came out in 2019. Uh, OK. Yeah. It's so, funny that I, he's considered like a new Kubrick and this is the type of stuff he's actually works on. Yeah. I, you know. I don't think of Fincher as the new Kubrick, I, you know, or any, or, or mm-hmm. Denis Villeneuve or. No. Or or not, and certainly not Chris Nolan, but these are people who get foisted with that. And then, uh, and then they secretly turn out they have really trashy taste. In, in yeah, like, you know, Fincher, I mean, and we all know Fincher has trashy tastes. I mean, he directed all those music videos and commercials and um, yeah. stuff Spike like that. Spike Jones, he's the new Sp- Spike Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Spike Jones. <laughs> is the new no it's uh it's you know we all know who it is it's michael bay he's the new kubrick <laughs> tarantino yeah tarantino yeah he yeah. imagine tarantino's heavy metal oh my god heavy. it would be like there'd be really long drawn out conversations in it you know and just be, every chick would be zoe bell with inflatable tits oh my gosh oh no you wouldn't you wouldn't have the the 80s ideal woman you wouldn't see any of that that's that is very of this time that it was made uh that was you know that was that was all all the women would have giant feet you just be (laughs) massive feet shots it would they would be they would be like turbo hobbits with giant feet yeah (laughs) um stomping he'd like john candy's character would land on the the planet of women with giant feet <laughs> stomping around <laughs> oh boy twice in one day <laughs> <laughs> he's sucking toes yeah <laughs> <animated> toes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. oh man um <laughs> But yeah, no, Fincher doing, but I, I remember when I heard Fincher was doing a, a heavy metal reboot, I went, well, that makes sense. That seems like something he would do, uh, you know, or would at least produce. But I kept the, hearing he had the rights to do Grandizer, the Gona guy, uh, giant robot cartoon. He was going to do a live action version or produce that. I would hear the weirdest rumors about David Fincher and what his next film was. Um. Do you like, think like you want to do just a big middle finger to critics who overrated him or something? Yeah. Do you do you think David Fincher was huffing gasoline when he saw this movie for the first time? I think he was. I think he <laughs> and the Lucasfilm boys were like, you know, and maybe had some gas cans and they they, they were listening to Cheap Trick, uh, listening to Don Felder, you know, getting the old <laughs> so metal that Don Felder Blue Oyster Cult Stevie Nicks Stevie Nicks is total metal you, you know in mm. Blue Oyster Cult wrote a song for the movie called Heavy Metal the Silver and the Black or the Black and the Silver but the the movie ended up using Veterans of the Psychic Wars uh yeah. which I think was the correct choice that song rules yeah it fits in better I think that song feels like a a story from 
a movie like this you know that the sammy hagar song actually should have been over the opening credits it was just so badly misplaced in in fact yeah, yeah i that was something i misremembered uh when i watched it again i was expecting to hear the sammy hagar song and then i was like oh yeah it's not on there but mm. i was like hmm like that was just a, a faulty memory i had of the movie yeah it's on there but much later on yeah in the film well, here, um, here's an interesting thing that may be a Mandela effect, but I recall every time I watched it on uh, HBO, um, during the closing credits, you heard Van Halen's Unchained. And hmm. I, I don't think I heard this on the current version, so no. I think that's been, that's been removed. No, interesting. Maybe they... Maybe when it aired on TV, they could get the that maybe there was a rights thing and they could just yeah just yeah uh, broadcast rights were way way cheaper than than home video. But mm -hmm. I think I noticed a lot of the bands were on Irving Azoff's management, and I think he dealt with Van Halen at the time, so they got Unchained on there for the original theatrical and cable TV version. But I've also yeah, I, think... I was reading Wikipedia; they said the sound effects are different in um, the B seventeen scene. Uh, that were changed by the THX people in the mid '90s. Like, there's a no. scream or something. I mean, it's just kind of this weird autistic stuff that, you know, why? Who cares? But I, I've noticed that supposedly they made some permanent changes in the soundtrack. Hmm. Interesting. Um. Uh. Yeah, but you know, Ivan Reitman must have been because he he did some new special features for the 4K disc, and. uh was doing doing it via zoom so you know even right before death he was doing stuff about heavy metal um well you know he, he mentioned... was hired he was he had a deal with hollywood to do basically entertainment for would have been the boomer generation stoner crowd you know yeah. animal house uh even his early stuff like cannibal girls he produced like the early cronenberg the real trashy cronenberg his, his early movie. stuff people forget how trashy ivan reitman's early stuff was you know, for a guy who uh, became very mainstream, you know, uh, he was producing Cronenberg and I, Cannibal Girls and stuff. I might be wrong, but I think he worked on um, Ilsa, She Wolf of the SS. But he I've heard that too. Yeah. I've heard that too, that he worked on that, um, yeah. which wouldn't shock me. Who was yeah. he worked on um, Shame of the Jungle, the Tarzan X-rated animated? I don't know. I've never seen it. Was it Bill Murray? I think it was the voice of Bill Murray did the voices. They had all the SNL people doing the voices. I don't know who got the rights to it though. Hmm. Like if Warren Michaels got the rights or somebody involved with SNL got the rights. I don't think yeah. it was Ivan Reitman. <laughs> no, I don't think it was, but it was I, I remember thinking Bill Murray was attached to Shame of the Jungle for some reason. Yeah, yeah, he okay. did the he did the dubbing because it was a Belgian cartoon, I think. Oh, was and it? And they had the SNL people do the dubbing, dub the voices. Probably one day's work. Okay. In New York, because you know, easy to do. All right. So, are you ready for some of these names that, uh, Reitman, Reitman produced under a fake name, Ilsa the Tigress of Siberia. Um, <laughs> he produced House by the Lake, which looks like a. Low budget it's, Canadian horror it's film. It's very sleazy. It's very sleazy um, Canadian trash. He produced and was music supervisor on Shivers, and he was the producer and cinematographer on a movie called The Columbus of Sex. So, hmm. there you go. Uh, and yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, he has pretty sketchy background. 
And fun fact, yeah, his, Rob, his Rob, Zombie owns, Rob Zombie owns all those movies. Yes, he, I, well, he definitely has Ilsa Tigress oh, of yeah. Siberia. <laughs> you bet on that one. Um, but yeah, this instead of being a Nazi, she's a uh, commie, and they're I've seen it torturing men in the gulag. <laughs> Not proud to say, but I've seen it. <laughs> Sybil Danning. No, it's a uh, Diane Thorne. Oh, okay. It has the high, the big gore highlight that was censored. I think it was censored on a lot of videos, but it was uncensored on a video I rented in Vicksburg, Mississippi, <laughs> at a video store that was on the outskirts of town. Uh, they let me rent it. I think I was only seventeen at the time. Uh, but these these guys were arm wrestling over chainsaws, and then an arm gets sliced off, chainsaw mm. off, and it's a pretty good effect. Yeah, sweet. That one was more of a bloody action adventure. There wasn't as much of the sex and sadism as is in the other Ilsa movies. Yeah. But but speaking of like weird backgrounds, like, you know, when I look at a lot of the directors, because each segment had a different director, like Gerald Potterton kind of oversaw all the different teams. Yeah. But uh, you look at a lot of the directors and they all look worked on such quaint other movies like A Christmas Carol. It's all like this, like, nice Canadian British programming and then there's this yeah. where i guess they let their hair down well it's like supposedly this was hell for the animators when they were making it because i guess the the people involved overseeing the production were only experienced with live action and so they were saying you got to make them look more real and they said wait oh. a minute that's not the point of animation yeah. is like yeah. is you're doing caricatures of people not real you're not, people. You're not yeah, rotoscoping at all it's just well and, animation. and the thing is too is like um you know with animation a lot of people's main touchstone is disney and mm -hmm. disney's level of quality is you know the disney does not want you to know you're watching a cartoon they're not going for realism but the animation is so advanced that you are lost in it does that make sense mm. you know like yeah. like walt never wanted you to go like oh i'm sitting in a movie theater you know whereas like i think something like this or ralph bakshi or uh animate you know you, it's a little more rough around the edges it's meant to be a cartoon you know like same yeah. with looney tunes you know yeah um, yeah and not uh, riddled with political messages like disney is well yeah but i'm talking like I'm talking about the 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 classical Disney mold, you mm. know, like like Lion King, Snow White, uh, you know, all those movies. Like, <laughs> there was just this standard for the animation that was <laughs> obscenely high, you know. The Mexicans shitting in the cornfields. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh yeah. World. Oh man, that's a deep cut. Yeah, the racist Disney cartoons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, those were those were a trip. <laughs> yeah well there's a there's an odd mix of or odd, odd use of rotoscoping and heavy metal like in some scenes yeah. they have it some they don't it's it's real it's kind of jarring when you how the animation quality kind of changes from scene to scene even in one story segment <laughs> well just... that's something that doesn't really work about ralph bakshi's lord of the rings which is probably his probably his highest quality production but it goes in and out of rotoscoping which is jarring you know like yeah, you'll have the Minds of Moria sequences all rotoscoped, and then, oh, we're back to, you know, the the hand drawn style, and it's it's inconsistent. Animation yeah. certainly has come a long way since uh, it really sun, has. since Sunday go to meet in time. <laughs> yeah, since oh my gosh, Sunday go to meet in time. 
I'll never forget Sunday go to meeting time. <laughs> you cannot unsee that once you've seen. <laughs> oh, oh man, is that the one that features Cab Calloway? Yeah, was he in that one? I think it was. Yeah. I mean, we did yeah. that. God, that was one of our first ones he did back in 2010. Yeah, there, we're talking about connection. go back in the archives on the website to the Sense at Eleven. Was it we call it that or something like that? Yeah, it was the. Sent the filthy 13 Rick. or something. I don't yeah. Know. It was a long time ago. The dirty eight, the dirty nine. <laughs> yeah, filthy Since like 11 or something, you did. Um, uh, I've never but, watched yeah. them. They always pop up on YouTube and they get pulled and they pop up again. And, mm. But yeah. I've never said yeah. that. I probably need to just to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, shower. you should. <laughs> yeah, you really should. <laughs> <laughs> Not the most sensitive. Uh, sensitive content they've produced no but um well i mean is there anything we haven't hit on heavy metal yet Stu? any any other thoughts about it when you no i mean after a second viewing i got a little bit close to the sort of understanding it but it is a bit of a bit of a mess really what is it Uh, something you think you'd watch again yes only because the first half is so strong yeah in content that I found the last half be a bit of a chore to get through. Um, and probably because the vignettes uh, or the, the sections are so short, uh, Harry Canyon's 20 minutes, Dan is 20 minutes, next one is three or four minutes, and it's seven mm-hmm. minutes. And it's, you think, okay, this isn't really threading the story together. Uh, yeah. What I was looking for was a creep show kind of story. Yes, creep shows live action, but they're all connected. It has into... that comic book thing that yeah. ties it all together, and it really works, you know. Mm. And it, it should have been better than what it was, but um, he's got a strong soundtrack. I mean, you can't deny that soundtrack isn't isn't a good soundtrack. Yeah, it is. But um, yeah, that's it for me. I've got no more. Any any other thoughts, John? Uh, well, that soundtrack was at record stores forever. And uh, was always in print. I think it did was more successful than the movie. Um, and for years, that was that'd be like the first thing people would buy when they get a new format. Was when oh, get, we get the heavy metal soundtrack. Well, uh, John, they'd buy that and what else? Um, Rob Zombie, can of gas, can of gas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for huffing. <laughs> Yes, the urban legend goes, and it's probably true for most people, um, is that in the in small town America, young uh, kind of hit kids who couldn't afford weed would would watch heavy metal and huff gasoline. So <laughs> we may have we may have some people who can confirm this, but I have heard this story. Did uh, you so, did you huff gas and watch heavy yeah, metal? No. If so, I was shocked reach at the out to us. Midnight the funny thing album. is when uh Blake Northcott, who is a Canadian comic book writer, she's she's pretty funny, she's really talented. They they hired her to write the Tarna comics because they brought Tarna back as a comic book character. She although invented for the movies, they realized there were some potential sales in giving her her own comic book a couple of years back. And Blake uh said that she was writing a Tarna story for the the next issue of Heavy Metal, and I tweeted to her um i said so should i get my gasoline ready to huff and she said yes sir yes indeed (laughs) so so apparently this is a known thing so 
I'm sure we'll have a lot of older listeners going, oh, yeah, yeah. I have so so if, if you huffed gas and listened to uh, and watched the movie Heavy Metal or listened to the soundtrack, please reach out to us on Facebook yeah. or on Twitter. We'd yeah, love reach to out. Like, like Cheap Trick said, reach out. This will get us pulled yeah. off YouTube. Reach out. Sure. Uh-huh. You know which other film you got to do the uh, gas huffing to? And I'm sure it was made that way on purpose. What? <laughs> Dangerous people. Huff yeah. the gas. Oh, oh, yeah. You understand it better. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh man uh so what would you rate this movie Stu? yeah jesus difficult to say i probably want to say i would say five i mean it's not it's not entirely a mess towards the end even though i've just been saying that for the last hour um i really like the first four up until and including then i like the bridge sections with the lochner speaking to the daughter and some of the other ones um tana as you said hunter does overstay its welcome it just goes it feels like a bit of a like a bit of a masters of universe cartoon or a shira princess of power so yeah i like those don't get me wrong but it feels like a a cheap cousin to it so yeah, I would say five, and I would say give it a watch. Just uh, please don't inhale any chemicals. We don't advocate this sort of thing. You know, that's that is an legend. No, don't endorse it. <laughs> no, disavow, disavow. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, what do you give heavy metal? Uh if you had asked me when I was twelve, I would have told you like an eight. Um, nowadays, I look at it, I give it like a five. I don't. It doesn't blow me away. I think a better movie from this era that was completely underseen and underrated at the time, and I think was probably greenlit in response to this, because this did pretty decently in theaters that summer. This is a summer movie. Imagine that. Um, uh, was Ralph Bakshi's uh, Fire and Ice. That's the one you suggested, John. That's what you suggested yeah. initially, Fire and Ice. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, that's a far better. That's when you have really the artistic vision of two artists solely overseeing like an 80 minute or however long it is full length film. And I think it works a lot better. I think the fantasy and animation and the imagery, cause they, they tried to basically make a story out of different Frank Frazetta paintings. And I think that actually works a whole lot better and mm-hmm. far superior to this, even if there's no, okay, there's no blue oyster cult and cheap trick on the soundtrack, but um, it's a far more enjoyable viewing experience, I think. I think you it, can it always, holds up amazingly well. You can always pop it in Final Cut Pro and just add some songs in there. <laughs> yeah, that's like true. Black yeah. Sabbath Neon Knights during the uh, yeah. sword fight. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. The rock, the rock cut, the the fire. Yeah, yeah. I prefer that. I prefer Fire and Ice. It's now I can say it's the better of that decade for it, adult. It should animation. have been called Rock and Roll. Uh, then it could have been like a response to heavy metal. It's Rock and Roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well there was rock and rule by nelvana which they were approached to work on heavy metal and they refused they said no we're doing our own movie and they were doing uh rock and rule which is uh it's a cult favorite i don't think i've ever seen it i've seen bits and pieces of it but never the whole film um instead we got studio 666 with dave grohl and the Foo fighters which i never saw it kind of looked like a piece of crap but <laughs> I think uh, Taylor yeah, Hawkins his... watched it and said, "Yeah, this I'm I'm, I'm checking Ta- out. I can't take oh my it." My gosh, Ta- Taylor Hawkins. You know, I just he that movie comes out and then he dies. He, he dies. <laughs> okay, it's his eyes wide shut. I guess. Yeah. I don't know, David. 
Dave Grohl after uh, his attitude during COVID. Um, I kind of equate him with Yacht Rock these days. Oh, really? Freaking conformist. Did did y'all see uh, Steve Albini going after uh, Steely Dan on Twitter? No. (laughs) Like Steve Albini was like, how the hell are there people out there who who like Steve, like I agree. I guess I don't get it. He was, he was just go and like all these people were like attacking him saying, how dare you? And he goes wrong audience, I guess, but (laughs) for that, for that, I tried listening to that album, Asia, Asia, where it's called. Um, is that what it's called of this? Oh yeah. Asia, 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 whatever, man. Nearly fell asleep at the wheel. It's just I just don't. The guy, the like the guy in the song, drink Scotch whiskey all night long and die behind the wheel. Yeah, probably. I wasn't far off. <laughs> the only song of these I really like. Oh, there's a couple, but the one off the FM soundtrack is great. I really like that a mm. lot. Um. Well, I give heavy metal. You know, I'm. Uh. You know, when I first saw it, I would have given it like a four. I think I bumped it up to like a six. Mm-hmm. Um. Pretty good. I appreciate the 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 animation and its kind of variants and all that now um it didn't wear out its welcome as much but I still think like you know some of the shorts wear out their welcome you know I could do without the uh the Pentagon robot mm. sex one you know that one with Harold Ramis um that one didn't do much for me but uh but I like most had the, of the best segments. what that had the best backgrounds. That's what oh, was so yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. Um, it had the best animation, really. But uh, yeah, I just and oh yeah, and John Candy was the robot in that one. John Candy's character's got all the action in this. It felt like yeah. an excise yeah. scene from a Futurama episode or something. Yeah, it did. It felt yeah, but like John said, it does feel like stoner humor. Like whoa, oh, the yeah. robot, the girl are hooking up man whoa giant bush in that broad man um it's like tarzan um but yeah um so you know this but this one yeah every time there's a new format for movies or music uh it feels like heavy metal is one of the first thing just to come to it now ever since dvd and blu-ray and 4k like there's a 4k of well i don't know 4k has been around for a while i don't think i think the 4k of heavy metal is fairly recent so maybe not, it is but, now the um, big question strong are seller get, are you gonna get yeah. the 4k of heavy metal am i mm. um maybe maybe it has a good price you want them uhd t-i-t-s don't you <laughs> now high res oh, HDR. Yeah. yeah. In, in Dolby Vision. In Dolby Vision. <laughs> Zolly's going to post pictures of it. Maybe in Heavy DR10 in or it's Vision. not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anything to plug, fellas? Yes. Um, I just want to say thank you to the people who donated via the Ko-Fi for this month. Uh, it would be Trent Reynolds and Cecil Birch, the frequent frequent regular contributors which um thank you and a nice donation from our friend mr eric moller over oh nice which basically covered oh, cool. our zoom for this month thank god so 
Thanks to that. So on that, I'm going to say go listen to our friends over at Watch This Movie, Eric and yeah, Wolfie, of course. They just dropped one last night from the point in time this recording about, um, yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> Shit, what was it? Oh, fuck. I can't remember. Anyway, it was something or another. It was one of those um, kids' Christmas ones. Um, oh, Never Ending Story. That's not a Christmas one, but it was that. Yeah. One of those that feels like it could be. Um, it could be, yeah. Well, John, you have anything? Uh, just a note. Um, Elon did not ban me. I deactivated my own Twitter, if in case anybody was wondering. So, oh, why is that? You don't see my rantings on there. It's just I just decided to do it. The black cats disappeared, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's all gone. Because oh, no. uh, my, well, you know, um, my uh, I've been on there for like 12, 13 years. But whenever that old show started up oh um, boy and yeah. it's just like i really only had it to promote the old show and then i just kind of kept it there for um i don't even know why i still had it. i built only i peaked out at like 600 followers and it's just like it never really grew from that and also it's like i got i'm gonna be applying for some work just to try to get better better jobs out there and you don't want a social media history that people can access and no just a podcast they, one for about 10 years ago. no not him you know hr they they full-time they have to do something so they'll they'll look for your presence on social media so if i made a mean joke about uh pat and oswald that could just cost me a, a higher paying gig fucking hell are you serious <laughs> i thought they'd get a promotion wouldn't it <laughs> Not really. Yeah, they should. It's like that. It's a, it's a weird time. It's like you can be of one political point of view on Twitter, and it's not mine, and you could be fine. You could post all the hateful crap you want, but um, you know, you there's plenty of celebrities you can look at that stuff, and plenty like, of people. But like Garrow, boy, <laughs> was, yeah. Was screaming but about if being you got liberal. a point of view, <laughs> but uh, if you got another point of view, it can it can hurt if HR is really invasive of the public space. Let's just mm -hmm. put it that way. So, and it's like, and I don't miss it. It's it's it was getting tiresome. It's just right wing grifters fighting with left wing grifters. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. that's yeah, really that's all it is. Dump that fucking place in 2016. I've never gone back. Can't yeah, I, I can it. see why. It's there's nothing to miss. I miss uh, interacting with some people like Richard Juice and some of the other cool accounts. But yeah, you know, I. I I think I'm interacting with those guys under other names on Facebook and I don't even realize it. So, mm. yeah. And I can always yeah. go back and look at their page, see what they're posting. So, you know, I just inter use it to interact with, you know, the people I like on there. So that's all I use it yeah. for. Um, stay out of the grifter wars, but it's boring. Um, it's so after the Steven Crowder drama, I was like, Oh, I don't mean, I shouldn't even be paying attention to this crap. Yeah. It's, Yep, get off I'm social like, media and enrich your life a bit more get the get off it log, log off and touch grass as the kids say oh yes yes I've, I've already been reading more since getting rid of twitter it's like it's surprising how much time it's cut from uh, from me being on the internet at all same with yeah. shit book i don't bother not, fucking shit not reading on us yeah not reading on a screen um well uh i don't have anything to plug so um uh, i'm still on twitter so you can find me there uh anyway Give me a follow. Boost my numbers. I've got to, got to have my tweets doing numbers. Uh, Saves him anyway. buying his own followers. <laughs> That's right. I don't don't want to have to buy my followers. I want real followers. What I, want to, I want my tweets. Tweets got to be doing numbers. I want them doing numbers, Tone. Um, anyway. Actually, one guy, uh, one guy on YouTube 
won't say the channel was this sort of, was this guy who runs his mouth about how many followers he's got. Somebody actually did a live viewing of his view account, of his uh, subscriber account, sorry, was filming it, and all of a sudden it went up an even 1,000 in one go. Wow. And he got busted by him. It's like, oh, man, that's fucking yep. sad. Yep. A lot of the internet is an illusion. Um, well, with that... No. I'm going to go ahead and say adios. Peace out. And now, it's time for... Rue, Britannia, with your foreign correspondent, the Nez. That will surprise nobody other than those who's talking with Biden's top on China. Scottish Prime Minister Nicola Sturgeon resigned this week after publicly being humiliated by her continued support for woke CRGT. The previously unrepentant sweaty soggy pays the price for deciding that a convicted male rapist who identifies as a femme should be sent to a woman's prison. Q outrage. Though Sturgeon's woke was so hardline, she frankly really couldn't see it. The decision was reversed. This on top of the SNP government's transgender bill, which effectively gave equal status to women and transgenders. It also allowed children to basically have sex changes, a law which ultimately had to be reversed and overturned by the government in Downing Street. The London MSM, which boasted that the government's decision to scrap the Scottish government's transgender bill would hand the victory over to Nicola Sturgeon of the SNP, also lies humiliated. Good thing too. Sturgeon's departure effectively leaves her party in turmoil Scottish independence effectively now in tatters. Scotland the grave, clearly. Community affairs and the locals of Mosley Merseyside decided to have an open-air barbecue last week by trying to set fire to a local hostel used by the local council to house illegal immigrants. So much for central heating. Tensions were inflamed when a 25-year-old Muslim illegal immigrant tried to rape a 15-year-old teenager. Boy, Muslim, leave those kids alone. In short, as a result of protests and riotous assembly outside the hostel, 15 were arrested. The London media was embarrassed. Even better, four more Muslim illegal immigrants in Kent last week were arrested over allegations of raping an English child. This is the type of thing that the London media so shamefully covered up for over 30 years. Thankfully, these days, no more. Sport. And the search for 45-year-old missing mother Nicola Bully enters its fourth week this week, with the media becoming increasingly irritable over a lack of result, the local police becoming increasingly more baffled and lacking leads, and the local diver who searched the local waterway calling the police a bunch of idiots. In short, it's somewhat of a slack news period, so it's hardly much of a surprise that the media had to effectively elevate the story in terms of what otherwise would have been a story of just low interest and frankly low regard altogether. Basically, page six. Bully... Having disappeared without trace and daily four weeks ago, has confounded the police. No evidence of either abduction or foul play. No evidence of an intentional disappearance. No evidence that she actually fell into a local river. After a month, the media was now so effectively bored with the story, they're now effectively preparing to leave the scene of the crime, if indeed there actually was a crime. 
Meanwhile, John Law still continues to be baffled. Older for the term being, the case is probably best filed under the category Shaggy Dog, or maybe perhaps if you're ultra cynical, Ace in the Hole. Further notes in passing, Labour leader Keir Starmer last week announces that Jeremy Corbyn will not have the party with restored ahead of the next general election. Effectively, it marks the end of Corbyn's 43-year parliamentary career. Hamas and the provisional IRA again have gone into mourning. The Brit Awards were held last week, the busiest night of the year for London's cocaine dealers, let alone the London music industry. Nobody watched it, of course. And NATO claimed that Britain is not ready to lead a military rapid reaction force. Although what NATO actually did to stop Chinese spy balloons is frankly open to question. PAX. Thank you for listening to the Midnight Movie Cowboys. For more information, go to www.midnightmoviecowboys.com. For feedback, comments, or show suggestions, go to midnightmoviecowboys at gmail.com. Like what you hear? Head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Hear us on Stitcher Radio. Head over to stitcher.com and download the app. Want to help the show out? Head on over to www.midnightmoviecowboys.com and hit the PayPal donate. We appreciate all donations of any denomination. Find us on Twitter at MMCowboys. Like us on Facebook. Head over to facebook.com. Type in Midnight Movie Cowboys. Hit the like button over there. Want to friend us personally on Facebook or follow us on Twitter? Go to www.midnightmoviecowboys.com and find the links from there on the right-hand side. Thanks for listening. See you all next week.